and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a bedtime story. Well, last week was quite the story, wasn't it? Thank you to all of you who reached out to tell me if you made it through or not. I really appreciated it, and I mean that sincerely. That was a lot of fun. I think that's the most interaction I've gotten about a story in a long time, so I really, really do appreciate it. This week, I... well, have you ever heard of David Cronenberg? The story I have for you tonight reminds me a lot of his work. Next week, I promise to have something a little lighter on the gore. I, I, it'll be something fun and ghosty and, um, not body horror, I promise. I didn't mean to do two weeks in a row of body horror. It just ended up that way. And again, one man show. So this one man sometimes <laughs> overlooks some things. But for now, I am so happy to present to you a new author to the show. Jessica Minster is a transgender author and poet based out of Arizona who has written many short stories, poetry collections, and novels in the 10 years she has been writing creatively. She tends to stick to darker, more dramatic, and subversive types of projects. For more of Jessica's work, I will link her website in the show notes. Speaking of show notes, remember, if you so choose, you can scroll to the bottom to see the trigger warnings. Now, Get ready for a wild, weird, and wet ride in The Lighthouse Watchman. It was a stormy night on the rocky shores of the Watchman's Peninsula. After pursuing his nightly duties, finishing with the tossing of another piece of kindling for the fire, he sat down for dinner. He had made himself a bland stew, bland due to lack of seasoning. He had been stranded out on the peninsula for a week after his usual time to return to the mainland for supplies. He was stationed there not long before the coming centennial, and due to a few days of heavy work and no peace of mind, he was not able to keep track of the days. He finished the stew as the wind grew more unwieldy, whistling like a chorus of the mad. The tempest in a hole seemed to sound off as the bellowing of a hateful sea giant. The watchman cracked open the only book left that he hadn't read in the tiny lighthouse library, reduced to a small cupboard at the side of his bed. It was a book of seafaring and nautical adventure, something the watchman had seen little of in the fifteen years since his debilitating injury, which gave him a permanent limp and an ache in the back. The book brought many memories for the watchman, who had been some form of a sailor for almost all of the preceding years to the accident. He had done it all, and thus, while the book was comforting, it was also rather boring. He had heard somewhere that the ending of the book became quite strange and involved the discovery of the Holy Grail. Thunder cracked, and the watchman looked in its direction as he closed the book, having gotten to the end of chapter 11 at just that moment. He looked out of the window in his bedroom. In the darkness, which was further obscured by the downpouring rain, he saw something, 
Or did he? It was an exceptionally difficult task to discern anything beyond twenty feet in that squall. But, as the lighthouse's beam passed over the vision, it brought clarity anew. The watchman sprung up from his bed, cursing to himself, immediately rushing down the stairs to the main floor. He knocked on the coat rack as he ripped his raincoat and hat away, dashing out into the deluge. The watchman shouted Stop. warnings to it for a moment, Turn back. but the storm was too loud, and he gave up only moments before the great thing struck land. Just down the beach, a massive ship had beached itself at an alarming speed. There was something peculiar about the ship to the watchman. It was stunningly larger than any battleship he had ever seen. And besides that, there were no battleships passing through the area, at least to his knowledge. It was a gargantuan metal beast, one so large that he could hardly imagine it floating in normal circumstances. And yet, there it was, on its starboard side, in giant white letters, it read, 57. A strange name for a boat, the watchman thought, as he approached it, sliding and nearly falling a dozen times down the rocks to that section of the beach. He saw that its port bow had split open against the rocks. The machinery within the ship was unlike anything the watchman had ever seen. Upon discovering the innards of 57, still reeling and pumping, regardless of the ship's injured state, the watchman noticed, as well, a dozen bodies floating in the water, which had begun flooding the hull. The watchman could hardly believe his eyes. As he approached the hull, the uniforms of the dead sailors began to fill themselves with detail. He could gather that this was an English-speaking crew, judging by some writing on a nearby wall. But their uniforms were just foreign enough to make him question that. Eventually, the lit interior of the boat went dark. Land! Land! A voice cried in the distance. The watchman felt a befuddlement at this outburst. Had this crew been in such dire straits that they couldn't even tell land when they've hit it? It had been nearly two minutes since the boat struck. Who goes there? The watchman shouted. There was no response. The watchman continued into the ship's hull, which seemed to be resting on the shore of the peninsula, somewhat peacefully since the engine stopped. He waded through the blood, oil, and salt water to get to the first steps he could see. The craftsmanship on the boat was insurmountably perfect. It was made of metal, yet it floated and was made to be so unfathomably symmetrical. He continued on into the darkness of the interior of the hull. His lantern led the way. In the shadowed and narrow passageway, which the watchman then found himself, he could hear something horrible. They were the death rattles of a man in a perpetual state of lethal suffering. 
The watchman turned a corner. There, in the middle of the hallway, was a man's dismembered arm. It wasn't the worst thing the watchman had ever seen, and it appeared that the dismemberment happened with incredible precision. The man who that arm belonged to was nowhere to be seen, but the moaning persisted. It sounded as if it were behind one of the metal walls in that passageway. So, the watchman took it upon himself to find the source of the horrible noise. He approached a door on the wall. It had a strange wheel-like device on it, instead of a simple latch or handle. It took the watchman a moment, but he turned the wheel until it began to loosen, and eventually, the door opened. The room appeared to be some sort of sleeping quarters for the sailors, though much more sterile and spare than what the watchman ever saw on any other ship. He hardly looked at the surroundings, as inside the room, there was the source of the noise. It appeared to be a man huddled in the corner of the room. There was blood all around him. You there, the watchman said sheepishly. The man moaned and did not look back. You! The watchman stepped closer to the crouched man. The man was not able to turn back. He tried, but his head was fixed, as was his body. The watchman started to encompass the man, but before he could step all the way, a strange series of cracks came from the man. The man's right arm shot out, grasping for the watchman. The man had no fingers on that hand. The wounds on his fingers, too, looked as if they were cut off in one quick blow. The watchman pointed the lantern at the man's face, and to his shock, the man appeared to be in a state which he had never seen before. The man's body was split in two, one on the side of the interior of the room, and the other inside of the wall. The crying was coming from within the wall. The blood had been coming from this strange, impossible wound with which the man had been inflicted. Soon, the part of the body that had been in the room slid down off the wall like meat. The man's eye rolled around in its socket, looking all around the room. The crying continued. The watchman went out of the room to refrain from vomiting. It was around then that some of the living crew discovered him. They were strong-looking men, but without the facial hair that had been customary in the Navy in the watchman's time. They held lanterns, which were of an odd shape. Who are you? One man called from one end of the hallway. The watchman was too shocked and racked with nausea to answer. Before the sailors asked the watchman very many more questions, they drug him up to the ship's bridge to give him an opportunity to see their captain, who would do much better at asking him such questions.
Do you understand me? The strange, almost feminine man asked. Aye, aye. The watchman said in his delirium. Do you speak English? The captain asked. Yes. Where are we? Who are you? Answer my question. Where are we? You're the captain? No, but I am currently the person who these men answer to regardless. Ah. The watchman nearly fainted in that moment before some of the sailors got him some fresh water. He drank it down greedily, and it woke him with haste. What was your question? Where are we? (laughs) The Canaan Peninsula. Where is that? America? England? Rhode Island? One sailor said to the strange man, We're not too far off in space, sir, but... Shut up! This man will let us know what year it is. What year? The watchman asked. Yes. What year is it? In the Christian calendar, it's... 1822. Good God! The strange man said. It's as I was about to say, sir. The other sailor began. We're not far off in space. But... We seem to be in some other time. The strange man and his crew began to discuss what their next course of action was, completely forgetting this 19th century man sitting on their bridge. The watchman could hardly keep up. The men used so many words he was not familiar with, though all in plain English. Eventually, He racked up the courage to speak up again. Who are you? The sailor stopped and turned towards the watchman. The strange man stepped forward. I am Dr. Galen Harnoth. This is my crew. This is the USS South Dakota. From the year 1945. The watchman looked dumbly at Dr. Harnoth. You mean... Yes. We were stationed on a government testing site in Massachusetts. Uh... Testing site? There is a machine on board. My machine. The wretched thing has sent us here. By this point, Dr. Harnoth's speech became more self-assuring rather than for the watchman's sake. He continued got into the details of everything, and the watchman could hardly follow a word the man said. You still call that thing a machine? Another sailor scolded. When it clearly has some deeper understanding than any of us do about this whole situation. Don't you dare speak to me that way, sailor, Dr. Harnoth said. And we both know that it doesn't think, and I was the one who gave it the proper tools to operate. Before the sailors could get in any more of a verbal scuffle with the doctor, the watchman asked, Where is your captain? Dead. A sailor quickly answered. 
A furious knocking on a door behind the sailors sounded. The sailors were scared stiff. The captain was dead. In that room, Dr. Harnoth said, pointing to the metal door. The sailors slowly stepped over and turned the wheel to open the door. Before they could fully open it, something came through the wall. It was hardly a man. A man turned inside out, leaking fluids everywhere. A voice calling from within its disgusting heaps. The sailors backed away, shrieking. The captain continued walking, phasing through objects and eventually exiting out of the bridge through the windows. We can't let him escape, the doctor said. How do you expect us to get him? A sailor asked. Dr. Harnoff started to rush out of the room. You're, you're not thinking of... No! The sailor called out to him. The watchman, still stunned and on the floor, saw the sailors chase Harnoff. He could hear their pleading screams, their begging, their footsteps pounding on the metal floors. But eventually, it all faded into the storm. A peculiar pattern graced the sky. The storm seemed to worsen, but lights of quality the watchman had never seen shone through the windows. The watchman stood up, turning back towards the windows to look where the ship was about to go. The temperature dropped to what felt like sub-zero temperatures. The patterns and lights in the sky subsided, and daylight replaced them. Wind whistled in large gusts. In front of the ship was a massive wall of ice, yet it dropped off to the left side of the ship. And the right. The watchman peeked his head out of an open doorway on the left side of the ship, looking backwards. It appeared that the ship was poised between two gargantuan walls of blue ice that went up into the air several hundred feet. The ship was several hundred feet above the white ice below, which formed a ravine. Something else caught the watchman's eye. Some distance along the ravine, there were enormous cracks in another wall of ice. The weight of the ship seemed to be too much for the structure to hold. As the watchman braced for a fall, he saw that the ship was not making any move at all. But rather, it was the separate wall of ice down the ravine that shook alone. Grand chunks crumbled to the wayside. Buried deep within the wall down the ravine was a structure so strange and alien that it dumbfounded the watchman as he saw it rise from the limitless ice below. It was a perfect black pyramid, sculpted out of the deep ice. The watchman, shivering, tried to pull himself together the best he could and carefully walked down the stairs outside of the bridge of the ship, on which the Rhode Island seawater had already solidified.
to ice. Once he reached the bottom, he could clearly see the damage that the ship had gone through. Many tendrils of twisted metal bent back where the ship had struck land and ice. He saw that the lifeboats had already been lowered and lost, though they wouldn't have been helpful then regardless. More desperate shouting came from down within the belly of the ship. The watchmen descended into it, finding the two remaining sailors arguing with Dr. Harnoth in the dark recesses of a chamber within. Do you have any idea where you could be taking us? A sailor hollered. If we can fix the coordinates back to Massachusetts in 1945, we can get out of this situation. Dr. Harnoth pleaded. It's gone haywire. There's no telling where it'll take us. The readout is busted. You said it yourself. I said no such thing. If my intuition is correct, the dials have shifted around in a predictable fashion. Your intuition? Your intuition is what got us into this mess. The watchman's footsteps startled the two sailors and the doctor. Dr. Harnoth called out. Where are we? Wedged in a ravine of ice. My God, a sailor said. We'll die cold in here. Which is precisely why we must turn the machine on once more. Dr. Harnoth reached for the control to activate the machine, which was out of view somewhere. Until one sailor reached for his pistol, secured in a holster on his belt. At the same time, the captain that escaped before came out from the darkness and reached up, wrapping his disgusting inside-out sinewy hand around the sailor's face, an uneasy cry still coming from within his sealed mouth. Dr. Harnoth, though shocked, thought quickly and grabbed the pistol himself from the sailor's holster. Within a matter of seconds, he shot one of the sailors and the captain, effectively killing both of them. He pointed the gun at the last sailor, who was too stunned to move. Dr. Harnoth glanced at the watchman on the other side of the room, only half a dozen feet away. I didn't notice before. The power's out, Dr. Harnoth said. I'll have to turn the machine on manually. With haste, the doctor ran into the next room, further into the darkness. The last sailor simply stood and watched the bodies of his former crewmates, their steaming blood running out onto the metal floor. The watchman went past the last sailor, following Dr. Harnoth. The room had no stench, yet it felt more insulated from the cold. Nothing could be seen. It was completely dark. The watchman heard Dr. Harnoth toiling away at machinery for a while, as he himself felt around for something to grab onto. His hand touched a surface that felt fleshy and even hairy, but it wasn't soft like skin. It was hard like the blubber of a whale. As the watchman recoiled from this, a small amber light turned on in the middle of the room. Indeed, 
It seemed the room had been burrowed into the body of some animal unknown to man. It pulsated, though it was not warm. Various rods and coils were sticking into the fleshy walls, and Dr. Harnoth was manipulating some part of it for the light to appear. That much the watchman could gather. A shot rang out. The last sailor was in the doorway behind the watchman, firing at Dr. Harnoth. The doctor let out a blood-curdling scream before turning the dials nearby and pulling down a switch that caused the ship to quake. He fell down as the ship started to settle. That crazy son of a bitch, the sailor said. The watchman could see a puddle of blood leaking out from underneath Dr. Harnoth. He was dead. As the sailor went deeper into the room to confirm the death, the watchman emerged from the room into a then much warmer chamber. He eventually made it to the staircase, where he climbed until he could see the outside. Lights were dangling from the giant, fleshy innards of some great beast. It reeked of the bowels of a god. The beast groaned, and the tortured souls of the world wept. There the ship was, inside of some horrible entity, indescribable to the mind of a 19th century man, nor to the minds of 20th century men. No, this place was beyond earth, hell, or heaven. The ship fell through innumerable layers of the organs, eventually landing on a castle made of the complex bones of some impossible creature that sat on a beach of meat on a sea of bile. The watchman, unable to contain himself, shrieked for minutes on end, flailing his arms about, rolling and vomiting, and crying for a loving god to hear him. As the last sailor emerged from the ship, he took one look at the expanse of his new world and fell to his knees. Something lumbered behind the sailor. He made an effort to turn and eventually, he did. The watchman looked as well. It was Dr. Harnoff, assimilated by the great blubbery mass of the flesh machine, which had adapted his body parts into horrible distortions. Dr. Harnoff's hands were reduced to flat flippers, and his mouth completely sealed shut. He had no life in his eyes. It was as if he was in the complete control of an entity that had no mind at all. Slowly, the machine passed the sailor and the watchman, descending what little was left of the ship to enter the ivory tower. What's your name? The sailor asked, his voice nearly absent. Hamilton. Oswald Hamilton. The watchman replied. I'm Garrison Heath. I think we may be the only two humans left in this world. How is any of this possible? The watchman said down low. 
No man should ever have been given eyes to see the face of Satan. Far from Satan, my friend. Something from another world. Why? Why did God bring me here? The watchman said, panic raising in his voice. There had been many men who've asked that same question. Men in my battalion who'd seen things from the other side before. Eventually, from what I understand, he learned to obey the whims of chance. Garrison started to walk down, following the flesh machine into the bone structure. Figuring there was nowhere left to turn, Oswald hobbled along as well. The ivory tower appeared to resemble no human architecture that had ever been known by the two men. A viscous portal opened itself at the base of the tower with a squelch. Oswald and Garrison saw that the massive blubber that had consumed Dr. Harnoth had stuck itself to a wall which seemed to have innumerable other human-like faces in permanent expressions of agony in the walls of the tower. Eventually, the life force seemed to be sucked out of the poor souls who found themselves there, staining them an irreversible, solid white. Garrison stayed far away from the walls, instead turning to the central chamber of the tower which appeared to hold a floor of flesh, which converged in the center around a heightened point. At the sound of the two men's footsteps nearing the central chamber, the floor twisted open and revealed a subfloor, which appeared to be the giant pearly eye of a beast. Garrison made his way down the main thoroughfare, of the massive structure, the center seeming to call him silently. As he approached it, Oswald called out Garrison's name. Garrison! Garrison didn't answer. He stepped onto the eye of the beast, which was flat enough to gather a large pool of translucent liquid in the central chamber. Beast's eye turned a frightful crimson as Garrison stepped forward. He began to moan, at first subtly, but then subtlety turned to outright ecstasy, and eventually to abject terror as he fell on top of the iris. Without having any energy to lift himself out of the shallow pool, Garrison drowned. Oswald had no clue what to do next. He stood at the edge and watched as Garrison's body was slowly dispersed into the liquid, mixing with it and eventually becoming as clear as the rest of it. The slapping of wet feet sounded behind Oswald, but before he could turn, a putrid hand was already on his shoulder. It pushed. Falling into the warm pool was at first... The greatest feeling Oswald had ever experienced. It was so comforting. 
It was as if he returned to a state of in utero. His senses were expanding, becoming more sharp and understanding of the world than they ever had been. The captain, who was still inside out, was the thing that pushed him into the pool. As Oswald began to experience hallucinations greater than any that could be described by human language, the captain morphed into many different things. At first, a variety of sexually gratifying imagery. Then, the most horrible nightmares Oswald could have ever conceived of. Oswald knew in the back of his mind that he had to get out of the liquid. So he rolled on his side and gripped the meaty edge of the pool. He lifted himself and managed to roll again onto the dry softness of the floor. The captain approached, his face ripping open into the maw of a mass grave. You have no business here, he said. I am with them now. I am no longer a petty ant of a creature such as yourself. I have found something greater. I am speaking on behalf of them in your vulgar human language. What do you want most? Old man. Oswald, in a frenzy of anxiety, had his memory shoot back to what felt like only hours before. The book he had been reading. The book which detailed the fictional discovery of the Holy Grail. Eternal life. So, you shall have it, foolish human. With his head hung over the edge of the pool. Oswald's body melded with the floor's flesh. His lips stretched and melted away, sealing his mouth shut. His hands were stuck inside the floor, and he became immobile, save for the pivot of his neck. The captain walked to a wall and joined the tapestry of suffering that the human-like ornaments of the tower had amassed. Oswald was in a permanent state of duality. He had exactly two choices to make for the rest of time. Either he could lift his head and witness the endless suffering of the world he now inhabited from his extremely limited perspective. Or he could let his head drift into the liquid below to witness the shock of supreme, unintelligible knowledge that its hallucinations could give him. In equal measure, as eons passed, his will to live was consumed and his sanity was lost Yet with no way out of this place, he would simply play his two-choice game forever.
You know, one thing I've always struggled with is finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. Plus, I am not the best with numbers. But now, I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. And I know you do not have the time or mental bandwidth to deal with customer service, but don't worry, they'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. That's rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. Rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much again to Jessica Minster for this week's story. It was fantastic. And I'd like to apologize for the tardiness of this week's episode. To be honest, um, the beginning of the week when I was trying to record this episode, everything in my neighborhood was very, very loud. And then when I started editing this episode, I just really wanted to get in on all the sound effects. Jessica built such a beautiful world that lended itself so well to like atmospheric sounds and of course squishes near the end there. (laughs) Uh, I thought it was an incredible story. So again, check out Jessica's work. I have her website in the show notes for more of her stuff. Uh, You can follow the show on all the social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at scare you to sleep. If you'd like me to work my scare you to sleep magic on your story as a little fun keepsake or as a way to show off your work to uh, the world. I was going to say publishers, but I don't know enough about the world of publishing to for that to be uh, relevant at all because I could be steering in the wrong direction. But, you know, to have to play on your website or something as people come and visit, uh, send it to me at scare or no, sorry, scare you to sleep at gmail.com and I will add it to the submission pile and we'll see if it gets chosen to be on the show. So, uh, what else is there? Oh, you can follow me personally, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Shelby B. Scott. I'm really active on Twitter, not so much on Instagram. I'm mostly active on Instagram on the show's account, but on Twitter, I'm more active on my personal account. So that's at Shelby B. Scott, just the letter B. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Oh, for those of you new to the show, this is the part of the show where I kind of ramble. I talk about my other projects in my life, 
just for a few moments to decompress from the uh, darkness of the show. So if you'd like to uh, sign off right now, then I will see you next week. If not, and you want to hear what I baked last week, (laughs) then go ahead and stick around. So this last week, I baked a lot, a lot. I baked two different types of focaccia bread. I did, um, I've made this cookie recipe a couple times. It's, if you just look up Joy the Baker, who I've followed her for over a decade now, I want to say, but Joy the Baker, she has a cookie recipe for two giant chocolate chip cookies. It just makes two, which is perfect for me in my life. And I think it could pretty easily be doubled, uh, but it makes these two giant cookies and they're so easy to make. Like you can make them all in one saucepan and then bake them and it's they're fan- they're so fantastic they're so quick too because you don't have to wait for your butter to soften you melt the butter and they're perfect if you're just like really craving a cookie and you're uh like tiktok has told me i'm an ingredient household <laughs> so i have a lot of ingredients i always have flour and sugar and baking stuff and chocolate chips and things so I always have the stuff to throw together and I recommend you do too because it's fun if it's like the middle of the night or it's just getting late and you're craving something sweet and you just want to throw something together uh so yeah but yeah I made a couple rounds of focaccia bread that was so good I did a lot of cooking last week I made this lentil soup that was to die for again with the focaccia bread which I added a little chili powder to the the focaccia dough so I made it less Italian more like I don't know what region or country but it was a little spicier and things and it was so good Uh, again for anyone new if you want any of these recipes I ever mention feel free to email me or dm me and I will send them to you. I'm happy to because that lentil soup recipe was very, very, very good. Um, and it makes a lot. So it's great to make on like a Sunday and then have it for a couple days for like lunch or dinner. Or if you have a family, it feeds a lot of people. Anyway, uh, what else is there? Oh, yeah. Go check out my other shows. Dormir o morir. If you like this show in Spanish or check out Historic Hangouts if you like the mode of the last part of Scary to Sleep and you want something a little more casual and you're a fan of history, go check out Historic Hangouts. It's me and my husband and we talk about Historic Hangouts. (laughs) It's a lot of fun and I have been having and honestly the numbers have been so surprising. Thank you so much to those of you listening. It's been a ride like it's it's been so fun and it's the first project I've done that isn't so involved like scary to sleep is my baby and my life but it's very involved when it comes to editing and story and all the stuff and this is just like a really fun way to joke around it's it's a lot we try to keep it a lot lighter and funnier over there and it's just been a joy to do so yeah if you'd like some lighter fare to follow up your scary to sleep entree then check out historic hangouts i have another show coming out soon that's going to be also a video podcast i may have mentioned it last week it's the Screenbox podcast i am going to be a part of the official Screenbox podcast uh we had some <laughs> some technical di- difficulties and so it's going to be a little delayed it was supposed to come out uh, already so i apologize if i've already announced this on this show or other shows I've been on and you're like looking for it 
it's just it's because we're doing not just a pod an audio podcast we're doing video as well so it's going to be available on youtube you can watch me and my co-hosts and so it's just taking a little bit longer but i will make sure you all know exactly when that's available but that will be available soon Uh, i just wanted to update anyone who was again looking for it and wondering what the heck happened it's not canceled or anything it's just uh and it's also a lot of um hands in the basket it's different where there are four hosts there are we got to edit video and audio and do cool video transitions and chirons and cool things so it's going to be a lot of fun once it comes out and i'm watching a cool movie this weekend to prepare for it so that's always cool when your job is to watch a weird horror movie uh yeah okay this is getting a little long i will talk to you later i feel like i'm forgetting something again i feel like that every single week um i don't know though so oh that's right patreon patrons so for those of you who don't know you can get the show ad free on patreon for a dollar a month and for three dollars and up you can get bonus episodes and i just released the penultimate episode of frankenstein and again for those of you who are new i have been reading through the novel frankenstein and once we are all done which there's only one episode left i'm going to compile it all into one big episode for my ten dollar and up patrons to have as like a full audiobook all in one place but for everyone else all the previous episodes are available right now including the second to the last episode and go check those out if you want to catch up and the next the last episode will be out soon and then we'll go on to a different novel but i am going to take a little bit of a break so i can release some more bonus stuff that's not so heavy i want to do some more creepy pastas i had started that i want to do some just uh like i did some true crime and some asmr stuff so i'm going to do some other fun i'm getting back into doing a lot more bonus stuff i know i kind of wasn't that great about keeping up with it on patreon they were always ad free episodes but the bonus episodes was i apologize but i am back at it and i have so many ideas and i'm so excited and the next guided nightmare is coming out soon and i'm excited about that too i feel like i've just found a new like life like uh life i don't know just there's something in me a new vivacity that's just very excited about creating and I've fallen in love with the genre all over again, and I don't know where it came from. It's all from you, honestly. All the great feet. Again, you guys have been interacting with me a lot more on social media, and my ads don't suck so hard (laughs) as they did last year, and it's just been uh, really awesome. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for everyone who has been so supportive of the show. I really appreciate it. So yeah, and it always helps whenever you tweet about it or uh, leave a review. I think Spotify now has a new type of review if you listen on Spotify. Also, Spotify is going to start having integrations with Patreon, so you can put your Patreon RSS feed onto Spotify. I know that's been a kind of an issue with those of you who use Spotify for your your, um, podcast listening. So that's going to be awesome. All right, everybody, I'm going to go. I'm looking at the timestamp right now, and it is a little long. Uh, I love you. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. 
spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. But the only thing I could hear was at 7219 laughing. Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.